0: Tough loss for Sark and the Longhorns this week in Stillwater. Where do they go from here? It might not be as bad as you think. It is the 41 Acres uh, here on the Odyssey app. I'm Landry Locker. I host this podcast every week. I host In the Loop Monday through Friday, 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 610. Uh, and we we talked about last week heading into the Oklahoma State game, just how crucial this three-game stretch was for Steve Sarkisian Early on, uh, things looked pretty good. Uh, the offense scored 31 points in the first half, uh, and then, as they have quite often uh, in the Steve Sarkeesian era, when when you put it all together, the offense crumbled in the second half. Just just three points in the second half. You get outscored 17 uh, to three in the second half, and. You end up taking an L in a game in which Quinn Ewers did not look sharp. Didn't seem to be on the same page as his wide receivers. And you lose to Oklahoma State 34 to 41. You lose control of your own destiny in the Big 12. And you lose another game, another close game uh, in which, as, someone, as you watch the game, you feel like they had a chance to win. It, it was a one-point loss to Alabama, the three-point loss to Texas Tech. Now you have the seven-point loss in Stillwater to Oklahoma State. As far as the game itself, uh, I think the the biggest story was just how the wide receivers and quarterback weren't on the same page. Miscommunication. uh, A lot of times I think it looked like Ewers was just flat out missing. uh, But for whatever reason, Ewers and the receivers didn't seem to be on the same page. Maybe you can chalk this up to youth, but 19 of 49 for someone that has the arm talent that Quinn Ewers has, it's its really unacceptable, quite honestly. Like that, That's something that should never, ever happen. But even with that, you did have a chance to win. You did have a chance to win, and there, there have been some signs that Ewers knows what he's doing and he's going to figure it out. But 19 of 49, that's that's just inexcusable. There, there's no, there's no excuse for Quinn Ewers to complete that percentage of his passes. Just none. 47 was his QBR. You should have won this game. Now, why did they lose outside of the quarterback play? A lot of people will point to the penalties. Uh, the penalties were very one-sided, uh, and, and quite honestly, I, I know that when you see 14 penalties for 119 yards for Texas, and you see no penalties for Oklahoma State, a lot of people sarcastically say, "Well, wow, that's you know, that's that's coincidental." I don't I don't see how uh, that can happen. I don't I don't see how you know one team can go a whole game without committing a penalty. I agree on that. But the penalties that were being called on Texas outside of one I mean I thought they were I thought they were it, it was it was not a poorly officiated game at least when it comes to the flags that were thrown on Texas Now should there have probably been a couple on Oklahoma State I would say yeah the the only call that I saw in this game that was complete bullshit and excuse my language, but it was complete bullshit was. The holding call on Ewer's scramble on the uh, final Texas drive. That was, that was not a hold. Matter of fact, when the, when, when the Texas offensive staff is showing the tape, I'll take that every time. That, almost, that came across as someone just wanting to throw a flag. And man, Ewer's, he showed a gear that you didn't think that Ewer's had. But that was the only call I looked at and thought, that was absolute BS. That was ridiculous. Now, would they have won the game? I don't know. It would have been a hell of a lot different because you would have had plenty plenty of time. You would have been in Oklahoma State territory, and things would have been much different. That was a massive. I mean, that was pretty much a 50-yard penalty. And a big play for viewers that would have, who knows, maybe he flips the switch after that. When, when you move the chains like that, you flip the switch and you might get in a rhythm. That got taken away from him by the officials. That was a BS call. But with, that, with how he played and with how the offense played in the second half, you're going to lose games like that to top 10, top 15 teams. That's going to happen. Now, the bad news or good news, depending on how you look at it, is you're gonna to get to play two more teams in that caliber the next couple of the next couple of weeks. The Purple Eaters, Kansas State, and then TCU. So you you're you're immediately gonna be able to measure yourself up against the the top teams in the Big 12. And while you don't control your own destiny, Look, the main goal this year, the realistic goal, should have been to win a conference championship, to get into the Big 12 championship game. And if you win out, you have a hell of a chance to do that. You have a hell of a chance to do that, especially if Kansas State beats Oklahoma State this week. And they're favored to do so. They're a a one-and-a-half-point favorite. If Kansas State uh, beats Oklahoma State, that gives oklahoma state two losses in the in the big 12 or one loss in the big 12 two excuse me uh the tcu one kansas state would have one so the very next week when you play kansas state if you beat kansas state then you're sitting at three and two as well, and you have the edge on them. And Oklahoma State would be sitting at three and two. So in the win-loss column, you would be you would be tied with Oklahoma State and Kansas State if Kansas State wins this week, and then you beat Kansas State. You, 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 would, be, you would be four and two. You would both be four and two after. So the moral of the story is during the bye week, best the biggest win that Texas can have is Oklahoma State falling to Kansas State. And then after that, you got TCU. You would have to hand TCU their first L. That's a tough task, but you're going to be at home. There's a chance Texas is favored over TCU at home. There's a strong chance. We haven't seen Texas get manhandled. There hasn't been a game where you said, "Oh, they don't belong." And there were there were some misleading, like one possession losses in the Tom Herman era. I mean, you felt you felt completely lost. Nobody came into this season. This wasn't Texas A and M. Like nobody was coming into this season saying, "All right, well." This Texas team, this Texas team is ready to to compete and make some noise. Get in the conference championship, still kind of control your own destiny. And this is where Sark's really going to be tested. How does your quarterback respond? How do you respond to this? Do you take advantage of the opportunity in front of you because it's still right there? How do you develop a quarterback? It's easy to get the blue chip Number one recruit, when he goes 19 of 49 in a game, how does he react? It's going to be a real measuring stick against Sark, but it's a hell of an opportunity. Because I think Texas is better than Kansas State, and Kansas State could very well beat Oklahoma State. And then it's going to look really interesting heading into that TCU game, which I'm going to try to get my ass out to. Big time. I want to check that one out. Other stuff from the game. Uh, outside of the penalties, Ewers. Um, these field goals, these field goal attempts are an absolute headache, stressful experience. I mean, you can just sense when they're going to miss these field goals. It is a heart attack experience watching them try to kick field goals. I hate it, <laughs> but they're going to need it. And, and hopefully this is something they eliminate next year when, you know, maybe they're going to be ready to, uh, to compete a little bit more. But that sucks. Uh, as far as Sark, look, I've never bought into Sark. I said it after the OU game. That was as much about the other guy on the sidelines as it was the Texas guy on the sidelines. But they didn't lose that game because of Sark's game plan. The receivers were open. The The game was called well. Like, I didn't think the offensive game plan, there was anything wrong with it. I thought Sark called a fine game plan. Had no issue with it. I know he had to start his press conference apologizing for not staying out and seeing the eyes of Texas. Some people say that's a little bit ridiculous. I don't think so. Mac Brown did it. Daryl Royal did it. Charlie Strong did it. I know Herman made it optional, but I mean that's that's what people do in high school and stuff. You stay over for the uh, stay after for the school song. So um, I'm sure the apology was appropriate. I'm sure there were probably some uh, nil cash cows not too happy with him, and he knows how to play the game. So. I thought he did a good job apologizing, but I don't think he necessarily has to apologize for anything he did coaching-wise. This wasn't like Baylor last year or Oklahoma last year. I thought the game plan was fine, and I had no issue with uh, Steve Sarkeesian and the job he did. This team's close. A lot of times, you know, you hear, oh, uh, well, this team's close, and, and you kind of roll your eyes. Th- this team really is close. Players seem to be bought in. It's not like Texas A&M where they're trying to cover their own ass by, by suspending freshmen that they probably know are going to transfer. This team's close. The vibes are good. They just don't know how to win, and they're going to have to figure it out. And they probably left Stillwater feeling like they should have won the game. And they probably should have. But you can make up for that by winning the next two games. And if a couple of things go your favor uh, your way, the ultimate goal will be right in front of you. So all is not lost. It's going to be a hell of a task, but all is not lost. You look at the Big 12 standings last year. Baylor won the conference championship. They had two conference losses. They went seven and two in conference. Right now, Texas is right there. Two losses. You got two teams in front of you. Seven and two will get you, can get you in. So it's right there. Sky isn't falling yet. Got a bye week. Bye week coming at the right time. Get ready for K State. Get ready for TCU. Shop on the seatbelts. Not easy to go to Kansas State. They're going to be coming off a big one, though, against Oklahoma State. And then you got Kansas and Baylor. So it's right in front of you. Just got to get it done. Quarterbacks got to play better. Uh, Defense, haven't even really mentioned the defense. The defense is what it is. It is what it is. So that's really all I got this week. It's a bye week. Not the most fun game, but the sky isn't falling. Still right there in front of you. I'll be surprised if they lose the next two games. I think we're going to see them come out swinging. Maybe, uh, you know me. I'm not the ultimate optimist, but I'm optimistic about this. I like the way things are headed. Uh, I have a lot of faith in what's going on. Still not a complete Sark believer, but I got to evaluate him fairly. Last year against OU, his fault. A couple of other times where he did some stuff that frustrated me. Not in this Oklahoma State game. That was just about execution. This was more about the quarterback than the coach. We'll see what happens. Enjoy the bye week. Root for Kansas State. Kansas State wins. It gets really, really interesting. Uh, and then it's the purple two-week stretch. And K-State Wildcats and TCU Hornfrogs. Frogs. At Landry Locker on Twitter. At Landry Locker on Instagram. This has been the 41 Acres podcast. Subscribe on Odyssey. Get at me. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, uh, The Locker Room. Appreciate you. Hook them. We're all in this.